beloved, welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is episode 35, Why You Have Not Found Your Calling. I hope that this podcast episode finds you well. This episode is being recorded during Holy Week. It is now, I am recording on Tuesday. It's likely going to be going up on Wednesday. This week, as a Christian, should be very important for you. If you're in a situation where you're distracted by work or by your relationship or by school, this is the time for you to stop focusing on that and focusing on what this week truly means. This week, this time between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday should be a time where you're stopping, you're reflecting, you're praying. This is the time when you can be feeling closest to Jesus because this is the time that we respect and remember who our savior is. And it's interesting because when I was younger, obviously all I thought about Easter was that I would get candy and the Easter bunny and looking for Easter eggs. And now as I'm older, I'm realizing how powerful this season is. So I hope that this podcast episode finds you well. I have been really enjoying this time for several reasons, and we're gonna get into it, especially with the topic that we're talking about today. This episode is coming out a little bit later than usual because this is Holy Week, but also on Good Friday is actually my birthday. I'll be turning 29, the big 2-9. <laughs> well, that's obviously something nobody says. People say the big 3-0, the big 2-1. Um, this birthday, I'm going to be pretty low key. I think for the actual day of my birthday, I'm probably just going to lay low. I booked a massage for myself. I think I'm also going to get my hair done. And I took the day off of work and I'm just going to spend some time by myself. And I'm really excited about that. Really excited to get a nice deep massage. And it's also, I'm going to a place called Spa Castle. So the entire day I'll be going into different tubs and baths and they even have a sleep room. Like I'm excited to go on Friday and just find a space to sleep. So I'm really excited about that. So I wanted to get a podcast episode to you because obviously I'm not going to be releasing one on Easter Sunday. And it's a little bit later than the other podcast. I'd usually be putting it out last Sunday, but I I wanted to have it in a nice intermediate space because the next episode is not going to be for another two and a half weeks. That being said, also wanted to give you a heads up that the next episode we put out, I'm excited to have the first ever interview for this podcast. I believe it should be happening next week. I already met with the person I'll be interviewing. Um, He's a gentleman from um, one of the blogs that I follow. And I'm really excited about this opportunity because I've been looking for different ways to expand the podcast. And if you listened at the last episode, I mentioned that I was approved to be working with a network. And I actually, I think I'm not going to be working with the network, if only because this is my passion project and I'm not really interested in getting like a huge audience or making money off of this thing. Although, you know, obviously I want it to be self-sustaining. So I am looking for things like sponsorships and things like that, but only want to work with people or companies that are in line with what I'm trying to do here. And the network that reached out to me, it was a a network for people of color. So I love that aspect to it. But in terms of cultivating what I'm trying to do here, not to say that I would never join a network, but I like being able to have the creative control to be able to be in charge of all the recordings. Like I own the recordings and I don't have to worry about saying something that might offend or might be too religious or might be too um, radical. I like the idea of having this be my own thing, but I am interested in having this interview because it allows me to speak with other creators, other people who are motivated by God to expand what they're going to be doing with you know either their social network platforms or even the work that they're doing in their community. So I'm super, super excited about that, if you cannot tell from my voice. And in, in that vein, I've also been doing a lot of work of trying to network for my own sake. I am this weekend on Saturday, I'm going to a brunch. It's a called, uh, what is it called? God's Daughters or something like that. God's Girls. And it's a brunch that's organized by a YouTuber that I follow. Her name is Soul Style Beauty. And um, she talks about beauty and makeup and things like that. But she's also a woman of God. And she talks about her relationship and, and their choice to be celibate and all these beautiful things. And so she is putting on her first brunch. So 
I'll be going there. I'm hoping to fellowship with other black Christians from Brooklyn, from New York, but also to talk to them about my podcast. I'm also thinking of, I already bought my ticket, so I, I guess I have to buy the flight now too. I will be trying to go to the Pinky Promise Conference that's held in Atlanta this summer. And it's, I believe, the first weekend in June. And I'm really excited about that because one of the speakers will be Sarah Jakes Roberts. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love her. Her podcast, Woman Evolve, is really one of the podcasts that I love to listen to. She's an amazing woman. She's married to a pastor and her father's a pastor, but she herself is not a perfect person. And that's very much in line with who I am with this podcast. I'm not a perfect person. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I literally am here to share with you my experience, my testimony, and some of the things that I'm working through that I want to share with you. So I'm excited to go to that conference. I encourage you that if you're a person that's listening and you're struggling to find your faith or your footing in your faith, of course, I'm always going to tell you to find a church, find yourself a spiritual home. But in this day and age, there are so many events, so many workshops Get yourself out there. I know that it's hard if you don't have a friend to go with or if you feel like you don't want to be uncomfortable in these situations, but a lot of these women, a lot of these network, I'm not just saying women, but women or men who are seeking God, they want to expand the kingdom. So they're welcoming, they're open, and they want you to participate. So I encourage you, if you see a flyer on the street and it's something interesting, go. If you see something about a gospel concert or this Easter, every church is putting on some kind of presentation. I know that people like to be like, oh, well, are you just a Christian that shows up on Easter? If there's ever a time to go to church, it's during Easter. I don't care if this is the one day of the year that you go. This can be the time that you reconnect and you redevote to God. So that's what I'm encouraging to, you to do, my dear. This is an update on what's going on with me. I'm excited for my birthday. I'm doing some things with the podcast, and I'm also excited to continue to expand my own network and hand out business cards and talk to people. And as a person who's an introvert, it doesn't always feel natural to put myself out there, but I'm realizing that I love talking to people as long as it's in like a social setting that I'm comfortable. That being said, the topic today, you know, as you can see from the title, it's why you have not found your calling. This episode is going to be a little bit more informal. So if you're used to our normal uh, format, which is Bible study in the beginning, then self-care, and then the questions that I answer, it's the same format, but it, it's probably going to feel a little bit different because I'm speaking about something that's really on my heart and I don't have like my list of notes as I usually do because I really want to have real talk chat with you who are listening right now. So if you're tuning in for the first time, this is the kind of conversation I want to continue to have, something open, something honest, and something that really, I hope, touches you because this week when I tell you that I have been in a season of absorbing, that I'm not really, I'm listening and I'm waiting and I do not want to make big decisions right now. I am in a season of, I want to talk about to this person about what they're doing with their job. I want to learn about your career choice. I want to learn about your relationship choice. I want to learn about your relationship with God. I have been talking to people who are sharing with me their testimony, and I've been absorbing it. And I don't want to be right now making big decisions because this is my season of learning. I encourage you to tune in, get yourself a pen and paper, and really, we're about to get into some interesting topics. The uh, spiritual care section is I'm going to be talking to you about finding your calling and why you haven't found it yet. And then I'm also going to talk to you in the self-care section about Bible study. And that might not sound like the most interesting thing, but I am telling you that I just purchased a new Bible and I'm so excited to dive into it. When I received it yesterday in the mail, I immediately, as soon as I got home, started doing Bible study. And I'm going to talk to you about Bible study in a way that I hope is exciting, that will encourage you to do that as well. And then at the end, I will be answering a question from someone who wrote in to me and we'll just continue forward with that conversation that being said even though this episode might feel a little bit different we're going to start the same way we do every time with prayer so if you can just close your eyes lend me your spirit so that we can go forward to god in prayer dear lord i pray that this podcast episode meets whoever is listening to it where they are I pray that whoever's tuned into this podcast will get a word in season. They may be listening because they stumbled across this podcast from my blog. They may be listening because they did a Google search about podcasts about spiritual and self-care. They may be in a situation where it just popped up on their feed and maybe they haven't listened in a while and now is the time that they're tuning back in. Or maybe it's a person who's listened to this podcast every single week and they've shown their support, but they 
need something and they don't know what, I pray that this episode meets them where they are. Whether it's a person who cannot understand why they have not found their calling, or whether it's another person who hasn't understood how they can get closer to you, or a person who hasn't cracked open the Bible in a long time, I pray that this episode meets them where they are, that whatever comes out of my mouth is not just my experience, which I, of course I love to share, but that the words that I am saying have the power of your word. That it's never just about me, but it's about this conversation that we have that brings us closer to you. And I pray to God that, I pray to you, God, that this podcast episode is a life changer. That if a person is stuck in a rut or doesn't have direction or is confused or is, or is in a season where it's time to change, that this podcast episode does it for them. I pray that we can come to you honestly and vulnerably, not here to get dressed up. And I know a lot of times it's Easter time and all we want to think about is how we're going to get dressed, how we can look cute in church, how we can get the shoes that match our, our, uh, our shirts and our dresses and how we can stunt and show out. And I'm going to say I'm one of those people. I picked up my Easter dress. I know how I want to look. But deep down, I know what's more important than any of that is our relationship with you. So I pray that we have this episode, that it meets us where we are, and that you speak to our spirits in a way that changes us moving forward. Okay, so we're going to dive right into the first part of the podcast that we'll be dealing with today, which is the spiritual care section. If you're new to this podcast, I like to split into three parts this episode. I talked about it a little bit before, but in the spiritual care section, I really try to make sure that we're rooted in the word, that we're not just talking about hypothetically God and the spirit and the things that make us feel good, but we talk tangibly about what the word is and how we can apply it to our life in a way that I hope is real, that doesn't come off as, you know, trying to be too religious or too, you know, hoity-toity or anything like that. I want to have real down-to-earth conversations with you about the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do in this section. And I'm going to be reading from Matthews, which can be found in the Gospels, verse 21. And I'm going to read, if you want to read along with me, feel free to do so. And I'll have this, I always have a sheet that accompanies the podcast. You can find the worksheet for this episode at www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. And there, if you're a person that's maybe listening while you're driving or working out and you can't look at the worksheet, you'll just go ahead and look at it later. Um, but just so that you know, it's there as a resource. So back to Matthew's 20, chapter 21, starting at verse one. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, See your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And if you hear the page turn, it's because I am reading from my new Bible, which, of course, I'm excited to use. Moving on to verse 6. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal. Then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And I'll read it briefly again, because it's, it's, this is going to be the crux of what we're talking about today. Again, chapter 21. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal. Then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar, saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This verse comes to me after I listened to a sermon by Pastor Howard John Wesley. And he's the pastor at a church that I went to when I was living in D.C., Alfred Street Baptist Church. And it's a church that got a little bit of notoriety because it's the church that the Obamas go to or went to when Obama was president during Easter time. So a lot of people flock to Alfred Street. And actually, one of the years that I was in D.C., I was there when the Obamas were there. Now, I didn't see Michelle or Barack that day, but when I saw and heard that they were there, I was so excited just to be in their presence. I was a little bit starstruck. Starstruck, um, but that's a whole different story because I actually met Barack and Michelle one on one back when he was just running to be president. I'll share that story a different day. <laughs> but this podcast is inspired from that sermon that I heard from Pastor Howard John Wesley. So go with me here. We've read this Bible verse, right? Where are we? Where we are right now is Palm Sunday. This is the day that we get Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day you go to church and they give you the palm leaves. And it's supposed to signify how when Jesus came into Jerusalem, they laid palm leaves and they made a path for him as he's riding along on this donkey. And this image that I had when I was younger is of Jesus being cheered on by the crowd. They're excited to have him. They're ready to greet him in Jerusalem. You hear in the text that people are asking, who is that? And people are straining, you can imagine people straining their necks, trying to get a better view of this man who has drawn the multitudes. Now, the reason why this passage is so powerful to me now, even though it's a passage that I've read over and over when people tell us about reading the story of Easter, and every time it comes around, we know that Jesus came to Jerusalem, and we know that he had the Last Supper, and that Judas betrayed him, and then Peter denied him, and then he was crucified between two thieves, and he died, and on the third day, he rose again. That is the resurrection story that you need to know backwards and forwards because that is the foundation of our faith. It's not about Jesus and just the fact that he was a great person. It is about the resurrection and the redemption story, the reason why we as Christians get God's grace, even when we mess up, even when we sin, we still get God's love, is because of this week. Not that Jesus was born, but that Jesus died for us. So I encourage you to really take some time to marinate on that. You know, like, I get a smile on my face because it means that even before I was born, there was someone who gave their life for me, that knew that it was important for him to give his life so that we could have life more abundantly, right? But back to this passage. On the surface, right, it's this really extravagant situation where Jesus is being greeted into, Beth into Jerusalem. But let me break it down for you in a way that Pastor Wesley explained to me that had me seeing it in a different light. The average person might see this as Jesus being greeted into Jerusalem. But you, this listener, you and I know that we have to go a little bit deeper than that because we don't just want to read the word. We want to understand it. We want to know the context, and we want to see how it relates to our life. The first thing is that Jesus is riding into, is about to ride into Jerusalem, and he asks for them to find a donkey in the foal so that he can ride in on the donkey. And we see that he does this because there is a prophecy. There's a prophet who explains that king, the king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey. So he tells the di disciples to go get that donkey. He knows exactly where it is because he knows he's about to fulfill this prophecy. But what does it also mean on Palm Sunday? What does Jerusalem actually mean for Jesus? It means that Jesus is walking into a situation where he knows he's going to die. So you have him being greeted by the multitudes of the crowd. And what is Jesus going through? He is realizing the burden of what he has to do. He knows that in order for us to be redeemed, innocent blood has to be spilled. 
Is it fair? No. Is it right? No. But it is what has to be done for redemption purposes. And this powerful piece, it's so powerful to me because this week between now and Good Friday, Friday when Jesus dies, when Jesus dies, it's five different days for Jesus to say no. For Jesus to know his burden and what he is called to do, Jesus could have said no. But let's continue to talk about this a little bit deeper. Let's talk about the crowd, right? The people who are coming, they're coming from all over because this is after Jesus has spent time in the rural areas healing the sick, performing miracles, you know, feeding thousands with just some bread and some fish. Jesus is famous at this point. He's got a couple of, of, of people whispering. And despite the fact that there were times when Jesus was like, don't tell people about this miracle, the word has spread. So people are coming because they want to see the man who calls himself the king of Jews, right? So Pastor Wesley explained that, you know, the word Hosanna, and there's a lot of songs like, you know, Hosanna forever. A lot of times we confuse Hosanna, that Hosanna is not the title for God. It's not uh, another way. It's not like, um, you know, when we're saying Yahweh or the great I am. It's not another word for God. Hosanna is a translated word that means save us. So this crowd is not just a crowd of people that just want to see Jesus. They're calling him with expectation. You see, Jesus has gone around calling himself the king of the Jews. And Jewish people are now living in Roman times where they're being subjugated and oppressed. So when they hear that the king of kings is coming and they're shouting, Hosanna, it's not that they're calling him just a great person. They are asking to be saved, saved from Roman oppression, saved from the fact that Jewish people have had to be nomadic and move from place to place because they didn't have their own location. That this people who were God's people had suffered so much. So here they have the king of kings, this man that performs miracles, and they think that Jesus is there to save them in a way that they expect him to. And the powerful thing here is that Jesus knows that he's not coming to save them from Rome. He's coming to save them from sin. That he has told people that there's a direct way to build a relationship with God that doesn't require ritual, that doesn't require you to kill a sacrificial lamb, that just by understanding that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we have the ability to get closer to God. That Jesus didn't come to save us in a way that's like, now you're perfect and your life is perfect. He came to let you know that even while yet you were sinners, God loves you. Now, that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear somebody that's here to save them. You know, they want to see people are ready to, to behead the, the king of, um, you know, the Roman rule. They want to see someone overturning, right? But you know what shocks people about Jesus? The real reason why people got angry is because when he's in Jerusalem, he's not, he stops performing miracles and he starts speaking truth. This is afterwards, then you get Jesus and he sees the temple and he, seals, he sees the underlying evil because people are dealing with money and scamming inside of the temple. And he comes and he flips the table over because Jesus isn't here about the, the rabbis who are trying to make money and who are going through ritual and who are being corrupt. Jesus is here to save souls. He's not here to make Jewish people more powerful. He's not here to say that you will never go through suffering. Jesus is here to save souls. So you might be asking yourself, Nisi, this is interesting, or this is powerful, or maybe it's like, eh, I've heard this story before. What does this have to do with my calling? The thing that changed me when Pastor Wesley was talking was he was talking about the ways that people have expectations of you. I am here to say that a part of the reason why you may not have found your calling is because you are too concerned with the expectations other people have of you. The reason why you may not have found your calling is because you are too concerned with the expectations that people have for you. Now, you might be a person who's listening and has found yourself stuck and doesn't understand 
why they haven't found their calling. They pray, they do everything. They're trying to be the best Christian that they can be. Or maybe you're not trying to be the best Christian. You're just trying to walk in line so that you can get that revelation where God is telling you this is what you need to do. And you're wondering why it hasn't happened yet. I want to read to you a quote that Pastor Wesley said that I literally made a graphic to put as the background on my phone. He says, daily, you have to make a decision between doing what you are called to do and doing what others expect you to do. Because people's expectations will add stress to your life, but God's calling adds fulfillment to your life. Let me read it again. Daily, you have to make a decision between doing what you are called to do and doing what others expect you to do. Because people's expectations will add stress to your life, but God's calling adds fulfillment to your life. Can we have real talk for a second, beloved? Can I, can I be honest with you? I am in a season where as I'm approaching 29, people have expectations of what I'm supposed to do. The biggest one is the expectations of what I should be doing with my relationship. There are some people that don't understand why I'm celibate. There are some people that don't understand why after five years, my boyfriend and I are still dating and still figuring out the plan that we have. There are people who have expectations about the way that I'm supposed to act at work. There are people who have expectations about what I'm supposed to do with this podcast. And I have been understanding that the stress in my life has been trying to meet other people's expectations. And it wasn't even intentional. It's interesting the way that this thing can kind of creep into your mind because I've never considered myself a people pleaser. Far from that. I'm not the kind of person that is worried about if you like me or not. I will always be polite. I will always be respectful. But before I speak, I speak from my heart and I'm not here to make you happy. And the people that love me love being around me because I'm honest. And I believe that that's part of the reason why you're listening to this podcast or why that might, that might be why you follow me on my blog. But I am here to tell you that even a person as confident and secure as I am has, has let it seep in that maybe I'm not doing X, Y, and Z right. Maybe I should go, be going this route in my career. Maybe I should be going extra, extra hard in my field so that I can be the best. Because I've always been a person that's always striving to be not my best, but the best. Maybe I should be, you know, let's, let's rush and let's hurry up and go get married. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Maybe I should, you know, this whole celibacy thing, and uh, why am I doing this for so long? Why? It's interesting how other people's expectations, you might not consciously say, I need to please X, Y, and Z person, but you may start to subconsciously doubt your own judgment. So when I tell you that your calling is going to upset people, I need you to remember Jesus. Because like I said, from Palm Sunday until Good Friday, Jesus was tempted with fame and success. Jesus had been doing miracles in the rural areas for the entirety of the, his ministry. And when he gets to Jerusalem and he's got huge crowds, you would think now is the time you turn water into wine. Now is the time that you raise people from the dead. And instead, Jesus spends his time laying the foundation for what he knows is about to happen. He is preparing himself, mind, body, and spirit for what is about to come. He lets his disciples know, I know you love me, but you are going to lose me, and you have to carry on my ministry. He lets people know, do not hold too close to what you think I should be doing, which is they want Jesus to live. These are his friends, but Jesus knows what he is called to do. I'm here to tell you that the way that your parents expect you to live your life might not be your calling. Do you know if your parents, before they tell you what you think you should, what they think you should be doing, do they start it by saying, God told me to tell you? Oftentimes what our parents want us to do is because they look at the other kids around them and they want their kids to be successful and they want you to be just like them. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make your parents proud. I am a person whose biggest fear is letting down the parents that put so much into me. And I'm telling you that I have been stressed out by that as well. It is hard sometimes being an only child. But I love my parents and I want to give them the best, which is me doing what I realize is me being happy because my parents don't want to see me stressed. 
They don't want to see me not taking care of myself. They don't want to see me not eating right, not sleeping right, because I'm stressed about everything everyone else thinks I'm supposed to do. My parents want me to be happy. So what makes me happy? What helps me find my calling? It's being close to God. I'm telling you this in the most passionate way that I can tell you, that when I am not listening to anybody else except for me and my God, my life falls into place. I only feel in disarray when I'm worried about what other people think, when, when I'm worried about how things might look, when I'm worried, you know, my hesitation with getting involved in the women's ministry at my church was I was concerned about the fact that, you know, you know our, my, I'm in a situation where, you know, my pastor is also the, the father of my boyfriend. So I'm, I'm thinking about all these politics and things like that. And at the end of the day, God is calling me to get involved, that he will give me the tools necessary to stay above the drama. But when God calls you to do something, don't talk yourself out of it because of what other people might think. I tell you over and over again how important it is not to let yourself get into the habit of comparing yourself to other people. But this is slightly more nuanced. Expectations. You have seen people around you. People expect you to go to college. You'll see college is not for everybody. Or you'll see that they, people expect you to do well in college, but they don't give you the tools to be successful. They expect you to go to college and figure it out. And then when you stumble, they question, are you lazy? Are you dumb? Nobody is there to hold your hand and get you through it except for God. And even when you think about your job, how are you going to be happy in your job? Because you do it by trying to satisfy your boss and satisfy your coworkers and to be that bubbly person. Yeah, you could do your job. Does that mean that you're living your calling? I think the biggest thing that people are realizing right now, I'm blessed to be in a generation where we're not just thinking about, I need to get a job to get a job. A lot of us are thinking about, how can I make sure that I'm fulfilled while doing my job? What that means is, sometimes your calling might be something that's not traditional. When you're younger, people expect from the year, five, when you're like 10 or five years old, it's like you have five choices for a career. You gotta be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. If you're a boy, be a firefighter. And if you're a girl, be a ballerina. That's it, that's the scope of professions. And you hear when people say things like, I wanna be a doctor, I wanna be a nurse, you get cheers. When someone says that they're an artist, people are like, how are you gonna make money with that? I'm going to tell you right now that when you live in your calling, it's going to make people upset. You have to be comfortable disappointing people because you have one life to live and there's only going to be one person who matters when it comes to who is happy. It's you. Because at the end of the day, you could live the perfect life for other people and feel empty because this is not what you wanted. And your heart will feel unrest because God is pulling you to do something else and you constantly say no because you want to do what other people expect you to do. There's a lot of people that expected that I would go to law school and become a politician in DC. And let me tell you, when I went to law school in DC, I was miserable for three years. Miserable in a way that I was craving coming back home and doing the work that I actually wanted to do. I'm telling you that when I do, and, and there are people who question about why did I become a, a public defender? You're so smart, and you passed the bar on the first time, and scholarships, and you know my undergrad, and all of these things. Why did you become a public defender? They don't make any money. I'm telling you that when you step into your calling, it falls into place. Does that mean that you'll be the richest, most successful person in the world? Maybe, or maybe not, but maybe you find something better than that. In this Bible verse, you have people calling out to Jesus who don't even know him. Because in verse 10, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. You and I know full well that Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So you got this crowd that's like, oh, you don't know Jesus? He's a prophet. He came to save us from the Romans. Those who know Jesus and what he was called to do, understand him. That you, you don't need to be a person that's seeking approval from other people because the people who love you will know you. 
Often the times when people expect the most of you are the people who don't know you, or better yet, the people who don't care, who could not give one rat's behind whether or not you're happy. Do you know why people ask college kids, hey, what are you doing with your degree after you graduate? It's because they don't know what else to say. It's not because they actually care about the answer. It's not because the next response is, I'm going to invest in you and make sure that you graduate on time. Think about it. Every person, every aunt or uncle that asks you what you're doing with your degree, doesn't it just sound like filler? They're not actually talking to you about your, your success in this position. Some people just talk to talk. And eventually you're going to realize not everyone requires an explanation. If you're in college and you don't yet know what you want to do, of course I'm going to encourage you to speak to your college advisor so you get that together. But if you don't know the answer to what I'm doing after graduation, do not feel obligated to explain it to other people. Because in the process of repeating over and over what you think they want to hear, you will lose sight of you figuring out exactly what you want to do after you graduate. If you're a person who someone is asking you, when are you getting married? When are you having kids? Feel comfortable saying, I don't feel comfortable talking to you about this. Does it seem cold? Let me tell you what's really insensitive is talking to a woman about whether or not she wants to have kids, which is extremely personal. Do you know how many women out here trying to have kids, have miscarriages, are infertile, or maybe they don't even want kids? Sometimes people ask questions just to talk. And it's the same thing about college. When they're asking you what you're doing after your degree, do they ask you about your sleepless nights? Are they the same people calling in on you and checking in on you to see if you're being successful? Be mindful of the expectations other people have, especially the people who don't have an investment in your life. Some people talk to talk, and you are not obligated to give an answer to those people. Often the people who have the biggest expectation of you have no desire to know if you're happy, no desire to know your relationship with God. They just want to know the next piece of gossip. They just want to know, ooh, what's she doing over there? What's he doing over there? What's the next move? Some people will watch you as you try to succeed just so they can watch you fail. I am telling you that when it comes to expectation, and Howard, um, Pastor Howard John Wesley was talking about and it, it hit me. A lot of people think that the devil comes to attack you when you're miserable. He doesn't have to make you miserable for you to get away from what God has called you to be. He can just make you crave the applause. All he has to do is make you get addicted to the praise and accolades of other people. And suddenly you're worshiping praise instead of worshiping God. All you have to do is get too attached to the, to the degrees that you have or the positions in your job or the power that you have over other people. All you have to do is begin to worship those things instead of worshiping God, and you're already off track. You don't have to be a person that's like, oh, I hate God, I'm mad at God. You could be perfectly fine in church praying, praising the Lord. But if your nine to five requires you to worship success instead of God, you're already off track. That's all it takes is you, instead of worshiping God and, and praying for, what do you want me to do? What is your will? How can you use me? How can I benefit your kingdom? How can I turn this job that I have into something that glorifies you? How can I turn my relationship? Let me tell you this. Any person that has a question about my relationship, not one person has ever asked me, how is your relationship glorifying God? Can you tell me the ways that you're glorifying God? Nobody wants to hear about the Bible study we do. Nobody wants to hear about the prayer we do. Nobody wants to hear about the abstinence. Nobody wants to hear about how we get through the ups and downs. Nobody wants to hear about how we went from arguing with each other over and over again to being a couple that gets through arguments in 15 minutes and moves on. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear when is the wedding, when is the baby. And that's when it clicked to me it isn't about everybody else. That the expectations they have of me are not for my benefit. Any expectation other people have is so that they can feel good about it. Because very few people in my life actually care about my spiritual growth. Very few people care about my mental health. And I thank God for those people that check in on me. But I'm telling you, the average person who wants to be all up in the business, they don't give two rats behind about how I'm doing with my relationship with God. They want to know the snapshot. They want to know the Instagram post. They want to know the tweet, the cute stuff. 
They don't want to hear if I'm doing okay. They don't want to hear about the fact that I haven't been sleeping. They don't want to hear about the fact that I'm dealing with how I eat and how I take care of myself. They don't want to hear that. They're ready for the, for the, the applause moment. This is why you may be missing your calling. You are too busy looking for the approval of your friends, of your parents, of your teachers, of your boss. And while all of those things are important because you love and respect these people, I am telling you that it cannot be the sole basis that you get out of bed every day. It cannot be the thing that drives you. Yes, make your parents proud. Yes, pour into the people who love you. But do not become so consumed with what everyone expects you to do that you're left by yourself wondering, what do I want? What makes me happy? That is my call to you, beloved. You're listening to this podcast, and whether you're going through it or maybe this is something that will stick in the back of your head when you do go through it. But take a listen and to your spirit and ask yourself, how much do I care about what other people think about me? How have I been so clouded by the expectations that others have that I haven't been listening to my spirit? Why am I taking this course when I know I'm not doing well and I don't care about this, cla this class? Why am I not dropping this class so that I can work on my GPA and study something that I'm actually passionate about? What is causing me to be so wrapped up in worry and doubt that I can't open up and do what I want to do because I'm afraid to take that first step? Be honest with yourself. Be honest about the ways that other people's expectations where whether it's unconscious or conscious, shape the way that you see yourself. Please, I am begging you, in this time of reflection, remember that they applauded Jesus on, on Sunday and they killed him on Friday. They laid a path for him. They called Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the son of David. Hosanna. They cheered for him. And then on Friday, they killed him. That section really spoke to you. Now let's move into the second part of the podcast, which is the self-care section. And here I often talk about things like uh, how to deal with boundaries, how to deal with therapists, how to deal with um, friends or different things like that, how to deal with making new friends, ton of podcast episodes where this, the um, self-care section has some beneficial topics. And again, go to the website. You'll see all the worksheets and they can help you to see, oh, maybe I should check this episode out. Let me check this episode out. In this podcast episode, this section, I wanted to talk about Bible study. Now, I talked about a podcast that I listened to. It's called a, The Biblically Sound Woman. And I started to listen to the podcast, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm constantly looking for different podcasts to listen to because I listen to them so frequently. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to I want to keep, um, you know, keep things interesting. I did not know that this podcast would have such a profound impact on me. And one of the times when the podcast was talking about, um, you know, Bible study, it kind of hit me. And she talks about the fact that a lot of us mistake, make, you know, we conflate Bible study with daily devotionals. And a lot of times we might have our morning daily devotional because, you know, it gives us a couple of words, like depending on the author, it gives us a couple of words of encouragement and then we get a Bible verse. And it often tells us about prayer and peace and happiness and joy. And they're the things that kind of keep us going. But I am encouraging you that while you are seeking your relationship with God, that you do not shy away from actually reading the word of God. And I mean taking a pen and going through your Bible. It's important that we don't just read the verses of the Bible that make us feel good. We have to read the word when it's complicated. Sometimes helping us to get through the complicated issues are when we give things context. So a lot of times, you know, people come to me and say, oh, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to submit to your husband. Well, the context also includes that the husband is supposed to love you like Jesus loved the church. In that, Jesus died for the church. There's a certain amount of, there's lots of Bible verses talking about how much the husband needs to love and respect his wife. We don't talk about that, right? <laughs> That's why you need to read the word. And even the difficult text about some of the questions, especially with the modern things that we have going on right now, you get clarity in the word because you can understand the context and the intent. So what happened was 
one of these days I stumbled upon this whole new section of YouTube and it talks about people who do Bible study and the journaling they do in their Bible study. I actually just picked up a new Bible. I'm a person who has always had a Bible when I was younger, but when I got my phone, my Bible study was on my phone. I, I, I talk about you version and how I go on there to find the Bible verses that I'll be reading um, sometime. And I love using their Bible study plans because you can pick it based off of duration. So a seven day plan or a 30 day plan. You can also pick the topic. You can also use, you know, based off of your age. So if you're a young adult or a youth or things like that. So it's very convenient what I was missing was actually reading the text, getting into it deep, not just, you know, because I was doing my Bible study or what I was considering quote unquote Bible study while I was on the church, on the church, <laughs> on the train. So on my way to work, you know, I'm on the train and I've got my headphones in and I'm trying to be quiet, but sometimes I listen to some gospel music and I'm flipping through and it takes maybe like five or 10 minutes to do this Bible study. Am I actually studying the word? No. That's when it hit me that I needed to be dedicating time to doing Bible study, time alone with God, not to just read entire chapters for the sake of reading entire chapters, but to read just like verse by verse by verse and to ask the questions, what does this word mean? Why did they say this here but this there? To ask the questions because the Bible encourages us to be wise, to seek wisdom, not to just blindly follow God because God said so, to understand why. Why do we obey God? Just because he says so and we're afraid that we'll be struck down if we don't obey? We obey because it allows us to have a relationship with God. That when we're in obedience with God, other parts of our lives line up. So if you find yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of place with God, what should I do? Everyone has their ups and downs with their relationship with God. No one is consistently faithful, okay? But whenever I'm out of line, I always end up being like, wow, when's the last time I opened up the Bible? So that brings us to some of the things I want to talk to you about today. Um, I just purchased a new Bible. It's called the She Reads Truth Bible. So she, S-H-E, reads, R-E-A-D-S, truth, T-R-U-T-H. And I am in love with this Bible. I'll post more information about it on the, the website for this episode. And it's basically a Bible, you know, it's She Reads Truth, so yes, it is targeted towards women, and it's aesthetically pleasing. I mean, this Bible is beautiful. I got it in the color poppy, so it's this cloth cover, and it's this pinky, salmon-y, beautiful pink. It comes in other colors. It comes in gray and black, and also comes in a navy leather bound that I was actually thinking of getting, because I love the look of navy, and I thought it would be better, because if I'm going to take this book with me to church, I wanted something that I could carry, right, that wouldn't get messed up, but I'm in love with the color of this Bible. This Bible Bible also have columns, blank spaces where you can actually dive into the word, that you can actually write in the columns and, and do your underlining. The reason why it was important for me to read this book is, I'm going to be honest with you, after I finished law school, I had an aversion to actually reading books. I was so done reading briefs, like I was so done reading the um, decisions by Supreme Court justices and understanding appellate decisions and all of that. I was exhausted. But now I'm in the season where it's like, I miss books. I used to be that kid that would sneak books into class. I remember when it was time to read the last Harry Potter book. And I remember being in sixth grade and I took that book with me and I was reading it in science class and I got in trouble reading it. I used to be that kid that couldn't go to sleep because I needed to put this, to read this book. I couldn't go to bed. I'm having that wonder again as I'm reading the word of God. I'm realizing that when I take my time and I take it slow, new things pop up about old verses. And that Bible verse, Matthew 21, read it a bunch of times. Every Easter they tell us about it. But this time it hit me in a different way, partially because of the sermon from Pastor Wesley, but also because I was looking at the text, underlining, okay? The other thing I want you to do is I'm going to put some links on my um, the website for the podcast because there are new ways to study the Bible. One of the great things about technology is as many things that people use the internet for, <laughs> there are holy things that are on the internet that are a blessing to us as well. So I found two YouTube um, channels that I, I encourage you to look into because they talk about their Bible study in a way that challenged my perception of what it meant to read the word. Because originally for me, Bible study was, you know, you read the word, you flip through it, you understand. They gave me more of a process and it helping me to be intentional about why I'm reading the word of God. Not just to do it to do it, but to actually read the word of God and understand and engage with the text. So there's two Bible study um, 
that I, I, I think you would enjoy. Now, one of them comes from uh, the woman who, who has the podcast. She also has a, a, um, a YouTube channel. So her YouTube channel is The Biblically Sound Woman. Three different words, four different words, excuse me. The Biblically Sound Woman. And the reason why I love her channel is because obviously she, you know, I love her podcast, but she, she doesn't post as frequently as I would love her to, but she talks a, a lot about reading the word, okay? And she has a part about, you know, what where to or more gathered actually means. And she has a, a and um, why Christians can't allow, quote unquote, allow God to do anything. Um, and then also a, a episode called, you know, the wrong way to avoid sin and temptation. She is a person, I mean, she's intense. She's a person that's going to, I'm not going to lie. There are times when I read or I listen to her and I'm like, wow, I really need to live right because I, I, I have almost faith envy when it comes to her. But I have to remind myself that like, I don't have to envy her because what she's doing are things that I can do to get closer to God. But she has a, a part of her YouTube channel and it says favorite Bible study resources and tools. And she talks about the different books that she uses, the books that she uses, a cross-reference, very in-depth. She has books about theology. She even has it down to the pens and highlighters that she uses. Really good resources that I would really encourage you to look into. Another YouTube channel that I stumbled upon but I actually love, and I wish that I found her sooner because apparently she's been an author and a, um, you know, even a YouTuber for a long time, and I don't know how she's escaped my radar. Her name is Kim Cash Tate, all one word, K-I-M-C-A-S-H-T-A-T-E. She is not only a amazing YouTuber, she is also an author. She's a black woman. Both of these women are black women. And she talks, like, for example, she has, um, two, like, different books about um, hidden blessings, Though I Stumble, If I Believe, all of these books that are specifically talking about the promises of God, and they're books that she's written. And it's inspiring because obviously you guys know that I'm working on a ebook that I'm releasing to you, and that is coming out. I said it's coming out around Easter, and it's about that time, so look out for it. But, you know, she wrote her own book. She has her own Bible study, and she is really invested in her spiritual growth. She also makes it very accessible. She's real talk. So check out the two YouTube channels, The Biblically Sound Woman and Kim Cash Tate. She also has, Kim Cash Tate also has a How I Study the Bible, and it's 10 Essentials. She talks about some amazing things when it comes to um, Bible study. She talks about the fact that before you do Bible study, you have to pray. You have to make sure you're in the spirit to do it. She has like 10 different steps to help you do Bible study. And I have no problem sharing these women with you because it doesn't distract from the fact that, you know, I have my own little podcast and I want you guys to keep listening. <laughs> but I think that you can listen both to people that inspire you and that you enjoy listening to, as well as those that are going to give you the foundation to work on your own relationship with God. So I would encourage you to check out this, these two YouTube channels. And I'm going to wrap this section up because I think it's important that you dive into the word. I hope that that's clear from what I'm trying to say is I'm not here to chastise you for not opening the Bible. I'm literally telling you that I was doing Bible study in a way that was like something I could check it off my list, but I wasn't really engaging in the word. I'm going to tell you right now that what I have been doing, and again, it's only been two days, is I've been carving out time to read the word of God. I read as much or as little as I want to. I do try to make it like um, 20 minutes or more, but at least 20 minutes to get into the word of God. Sometimes that means that I'm reading an entire book, not the entire book, an entire chapter. Sometimes it's just a couple verses. Maybe it's something that confuses me and I have to keep Googling every single word so that I can understand what's going on. For example, there was the parable of, two, of the two sons, which is Matthew 21, verse 28. And I was confused by the parable. I was like, well, what, what does this mean? What did the two sons represent? I literally, like, in my book, I have it, like, with a star next to it because I was confused. Then I was Googling, what does this mean? What does the parable mean? What lesson is this trying to teach us? And so when I read with intention, when I read with purpose, where it's not just this thing that I do, I get out of the ritual, the ritualistic part about being a Christian. It's not about appearing like Christ or just doing what you think you're expected to do. It's about actually and truly developing a relationship with God. 
And that's what I've been doing. It's only been a couple of days, so I'm not here to say that I am ready to like have my own YouTube channel where I'm guiding people through Bible study. I'm still figuring it out myself. But I feel like when I set that time apart just for God, just for me and God, I feel uplifted. I feel grounded. I feel blessed because I'm not just skimming through it and just looking for the words that please me. I'm looking for that moment that brings me closer to God. And for the last part of the podcast, I'm going to answer a question that was sent in to me from you guys. So if you would like a question to be answered on the podcast, you can send me an email to strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. And I will answer it probably quicker if you send it to me through email, or you can send me a message on Tumblr. You can either say, my Tumblr is your big sis Nisi, so Y-O-U-R-B-I-G-S-I-S-N-I-S-S-I.tumblr.com. And you can either um, send me a message that says for the podcast, but oftentimes I'll just read the messages I get. Um, and I'm going to do that today because I've been getting some interesting questions, um, to be honest with you. And this might be a rant. <laughs> um, so yeah, let me read this question that was sent to me, okay? Okay, so this is the message that I got to my Tumblr. Hi, I've been really going through it with my ex-boyfriend breaking up with my, me two months ago for the second time. I believe he was my first true love and I just turned 21. We dated for almost two-ish years and have known each other for a year prior when we met in school. We did fight a lot and he hid things and lied to me and would also speak down to me. He lied about hooking up with girls when we were broken up and I caught chlamydia. I just feel dumb for being the one broken up with. How do I move on? This is a two-part question, right? So I, I read this question and obviously it hit me because it sounds so desperate. Not desperate in a way that's like I'm trying to judge you like, oh, she sounds desperate. I'm saying that when I read this, I, I see a heart that wants love and wants to be loved, wants to love and wants to be loved. But her first experience with dating did not work out well. So it hasn't, it has ended and she feels dumb because he's the one that broke up with her. The response that I gave her was ask yourself what it, what, if it makes sense to miss trash because this wasn't your first love. This was your first person that you allowed into your life that allowed you to dream that love could be possible. But this person wasn't honest with you. He wasn't his true self. So you didn't love him because you did not know him. He's just the first guy you got close to and it turned and he turned out to be trash. So again, ask yourself if it makes sense to miss trash. So she responds, you're right. It doesn't make sense to miss trash. I just don't know how to get over feeling lonely. We spent almost every day together and I had the best sex with him. Um, the thought of him messing with anyone else makes me crazy. I'm just torn up with the thought that we'll never speak again or if he does try coming back again. He said we were done for good and he had said our farewell, said our farewell texts. I'm just so lonely even with friends. I can't stop thinking of him, exclamation point. I responded, you have to do some work to figure out why a man who is so disrespectful and vile would have you feeling this way. Yes, you miss him and you miss the good times, but the bad times you had were awful. This man cheated on you and gave you chlamydia. Like, sis, that amazing sex that you had that you missed was with a man who didn't value you or your body. You have to get to the point where you're turned off by disrespect. Let me put it like this. If you think that the people who are bad for you are going to walk out of your life, you are sadly mistaken. If you think that you can just pray to God that the people that mean you harm will be taken out of your life, you will be sadly mistaken. God has blessed you with common sense. He's blessed you with an instinct and he's blessed you with your gut feeling. And even if you're not religious, I'm telling that you have that gut instinct that tells you when someone is wrong for you. There are people who will use you up and toss you to the side like yesterday's trash. This is what I see, especially when I read the second part, because I read this and thought that he was trash 
and I'm realizing that he believed that she was trash. This is a person who broke up with her twice, who had sex with her and gave her chlamydia, who said goodbye to her through a text. And because of her desperation, her heart that is hungry for love, she is missing a person like this. I'm not saying this with judgment. I know what it's like to have someone hurt you and you to feel crazy because you still miss them. Especially when you tell your friends of your hurt and they tell you you need to get out of this situation and all you can think about is how you can't stop thinking about the last time he held you or the last time he touched you. I am here to say this is why you need to slow it down when it comes to sex. Let me be the old fart. Let me be the 29-year-old that's telling you you need to slow down because these kinds of things happen. I do not believe in soul ties. I'm telling you that flat out. I do not believe in soul ties. But I do know that for a lot of people, sex is very intimate in a way that it will cloud your judgment, in a way that the arousal you have for this person will have you feeling like this is love. If you're in a relationship where the way that you solve arguments is by having sex, that is not love. If you're in a situation where the fun you have is because you're having sex and you don't do anything else, that is not love. If you were to sit down and say, hmm, if I stopped having sex with this person, would they even stick around? And if you know that the answer is no, they wouldn't stick around, that's not love. I'm just here to say it. That might not be the, the thing that people want to hear, but I am telling you that for some people, sex is just sex. And if you're a person that gets emotionally attached, you have to be careful who you allow around your body. And again, this is not judgmental. There are always going to be mistakes. There are going to be times when you trust somebody and you're the person that's monogamous and somebody betrays you. And that's what happened in this case. That he messed around with somebody else, didn't, wasn't honest with her, and she ended up with chlamydia. I am telling you, whether you're a man or a woman, but especially for women, you have to be careful who you allow to have access to your body because there are people who will see you like a revolving door because they know that you will always be there. Your desperate need to have a boyfriend, your desire to be a mother and a wife, those are things that are beautiful because having kids and getting married are all things that are blessed by God. But I'm telling you that there are ways that you can be manipulated, that something that is beautiful can become perverted if you are not careful who you allow to be in your life. I am here to tell you that there are certain kinds of men that will use you and use you and use you and say just the right words to keep you around. That they only say I love you when it's time to lay down. And the only time that they say I love you is because you're starting to get mad and they want to say what you want to hear. Be careful of people that have the right thing to say at all times. That you know in your common sense this person is wrong, but what they say, they're so smooth. Be careful. Because this is a person, and I'm not trying to say that this man is the devil, okay? Maybe he has his own issues. Maybe he's got all kinds of stuff. You have to get to the point where you know what's good for you. And the reason why people end up feeling regret when a relationship ends, especially when they're the one that's broken up with, is not just because they miss the person, but they start to calculate all the times that they should have walked away and they didn't. That's where the regret comes from. It's not just I regret picking this person. It's that I got all the red signs, the red flags, and all the signs that I needed to go, and I stayed anyway. Now, I'm speaking from personal experience, too. I've had times where it's so clear that something is wrong and that I refuse to have the conversation because maybe I didn't want to have the conversation because I didn't want to hear the truth. Now I'm in a season where I would rather have that difficult conversation and maybe there's a little bit of tears sprinkled in, but I'd rather know the truth than to walk around blindly imagining that I'm with somebody who loves me, who would just discard me like yesterday's trash. All I know is that for me in this relationship that I'm in, that if it doesn't work out, I know that I didn't compromise a daggone thing to be in this relationship. I still worked on my relationship with God. I still worked on my career. I still made time for my, my friends and my family. I didn't compromise my body. So if it doesn't work out, it's going to be because of something he did. <laughs> but I, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm going to be hurt. But I surely am not going to go around missing someone that disrespects me. I can't. I can feel sorry for them. I can miss the times, the good times that we had. But you have to get to the point where just, just at the moment where you want to pick up your phone, you remember that this man gave you chlamydia. 
And just at the moment when you're about to pick up your phone again, remember that he broke up with you through text message. And just when you think it's time to, to get back with him again, remember that he broke up with you twice and how quickly he went back to somebody else when it happened. It is possible for good people to do bad things. But as soon as you realize that you do not want to be the experiment while they try things out and figure out their life, as soon as you realize that you don't want to be the guinea pig or the practice girlfriend, you got to move on. You have to move on. And this is, again, me, my old fart self saying, you got to be careful with the sex thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I think that right now it's way too casual. And it's probably casual in the past, too, where people are just like, wait until you get married. But you have to, there's a certain intimacy that goes beyond the physical that people don't often talk about. And I'm not here to judge people who have casual sex. I'm saying you have to know yourself, know your limits, know your body, know the person that you're dealing with. The casual sex thing is a dangerous situation. And you can have casual sex even while in a relationship if you guys aren't spiritually connected or honest with each other. It can be super casual. That's how you end up in a situation where one person is like, this is my boyfriend, and the other one is like, this is some girl I messed with, but I gave her a title so she sticks around. That's the kind of person that could discard you and, and say goodbye to you after two years through a text message. You got to be careful about the people you have access to your life and the access to your body. Because your body is a temple. Whether you're religious or not, you need to take care of yourself. And nobody else is going to do that. And mistakes happen. Sometimes you're super protected and the other person, again, betrays you or something goes wrong. But that's why you need to wait. You need to wait. Because the worst thing is when you're out here looking dumb because you left common sense at the door because you were desperate to be in a relationship. I promise you, beloved, speaking from experience, I promise you that that's the worst feeling is when you know you should have left and you stayed anyway. So that's it, beloved. We're now at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed it. Please take some time to rate and follow on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Right now we have 67 ratings and I love the comments that you put onto the podcast. Every time I see the encouragement, every time I see the ratings, it encourages me to do what I have to do. I, it makes me want to do more Bible study and want to go to networking events and more invite more people to the conversation so that we can talk about what needs to be talked about. I pray that you just continue to flourish this week, whether you're listening during Holy Week or after Holy Week. I pray that you just take some time to reflect. Ask yourself if you're so exhausted because of other expectations people have for you. Ask yourself if you're so exhausted because you can't remember the time you spent some alone, quiet time with God. Ask yourself if you're exhausted because you've been wasting your time thinking about a person that is willing to discard you like trash. There are so many ways we get, there's almost a million reasons to end a relationship and very few reasons to actually stay in them. So I hope that this episode finds you well. Um, please reach out to me via email at strengthenshieldpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at msmspodcast and also on Instagram, all one word, my strength and my shield. I gave up Instagram and Snapchat for Lent, but after Easter, I will be back on Instagram posting daily for you guys. So head over to Instagram for more updates about the podcast. Until the next episode, take care, beloved.